Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. How are you this week? I had a pretty good one. I met up with a friend on Monday who I've been dying to see for forever. Hi, Kara. I don't have much to tell you this week other than I came across an amazing podcast. It's called Girl That's Scary. It's hilarious, and they are so crazy knowledgeable when it comes to horror movies. I asked if they had a trailer I could play for you all, but they don't have one. So here's a description from their website. It's your friendly neighborhood homegirls to discuss everything horror and sci-fi. Join us every Thursday for a new spooky discussion and more. So I just started listening, but I'm hooked. Seriously, go check them out. I'll put a link in the show notes. They're great. This is an episode where I recommend to you to please go read the trigger warnings in the show notes. If you have any triggers you may be concerned about, um, heads up, these trigger warnings may contain spoilers. It's been a couple weeks since I've had to do trigger warnings, I think. So I just wanted to remind you all um, that they're still going to be in the show notes. Um, All right. Now, without further ado, first up this week is a new one from Robert Eyre. You know Robert from the terrifying stories, Oi Miakon and Friend. This week, he sticks with eerily foreboding one-word titles with Simon. To whom it may concern. As requested, I have enclosed in this envelope the official transcripts between myself and the patient known as Simon. I have also included any other information I have been able to collect from the hospital's archives. I hope this helps in the investigation, as I personally believe he is a grave threat to any who may come across him. Please let me know if there is any other way I can help. Sincerely, Dr. David Howell, Psychologist, Hardex State Mental Institution. Patient number 102619. Name, Simon. Sex, male. Weight, 170 pounds. Height, 6 foot 0. Ethnicity, white. Hair, black. Eyes, hazel. Identifying marks, none. Age, unknown. Aliases, none. Patient history, none. Patient 102619 was brought into our custody after being found at what was believed to be a murder scene at the house of the Sanders family. Mr. Chris Sanders was found with a gunshot wound to the head, along with his wife Francine, daughter Victoria, and son Zachary. All suffered the same wounds. Family was pronounced dead at the scene. Patient was observed standing by a window with both hands behind his back and humming, Swing low, sweet chariot. 
he gave no struggle as police arrested him and apparently said he was doing the whole family a favor. After police interrogation, he was deemed mentally unstable and sent here to receive psychiatric evaluation. My first encounter with a patient was nothing less than typical. He seemed polite and sincere in all his statements and convictions. When I asked him what brought him here, he simply replied, work. I asked what kind of work, to which he stated that it was beyond my comprehension. On the third day of his admission, I noticed he was abnormally silent with all the other patients on the ward, with the exception of one. Her name was Barbara Wagner, patient number 071395. A manic depressive with an extensive history of drug abuse. She seemed to relish in the attention Simon gave her and began to seclude herself from the other patients. Upon questioning Simon why he was so interested in Barbara, his response was as follows. I worry about her, Dr. Howell. She has so much grief and shame in her previous doings that I fear it may consume her. Have you always been so attentive to others' needs, Simon? I asked. Oh yes, you see, doctor, I love all who need me, all those who crave respite. They seem so lost, like lambs, without a shepherd. And you're happy to play the role of the shepherd? Something like that, doctor. Something like that. The next morning, I was notified by the night shift supervisor that Simon was noticed standing in front of his window with his hands behind his back. He was heard to be whispering repeatedly for upwards of three hours. It was also brought to my attention that while this was occurring, Barbara was sobbing uncontrollably. Barbara later said that her dreams were becoming more vivid and disturbing than before, which had been causing her recent bouts of insomnia. Simon seemed to have a calming effect on her. He began sitting next to Barbara during lunch hour and recreation time, all the while seemingly talking quietly to himself. When suggested that Barbara sit elsewhere with other patients, she became agitated stating that she could see things clearly now and demanded she be left alone. Five days after admission, Simon continued to stay up through the night, whispering at the window. He never slept, but was always coherent and seemingly normal through the next day. He would always appear for breakfast, sit next to Barbara, who was extremely sleep-deprived at the time, then return to his room, where he sat on his mattress, humming to himself. My next session with Simon was later that evening. He was cordial, as usual, displaying a profound understanding of social etiquette. He described how bland the food was, and how the unit could use a few small repairs here and there. 
when I decided to press him further on more pressing questions, his demeanor changed to almost mischievous. So, is Simon your real name? I asked. He smirked. Oh, I've had so many throughout my time. I just happen to like the sound of Simon. And your last name? No need for one, Doctor. I decided then in the interview to change the subject of the conversation before addressing the crimes of which he was accused. I see you've made a very close friend here. How does that make you feel, Simon? It makes me feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose, Doctor. The human mind is ultimately so fragile, and it makes me feel complete when I can help those who need me. And what kind of people need you, Simon? Those that are guilty. You see, guilt causes regret. Regret causes sorrow. Sorrow leads to pain. I help with that pain. Everyone has been there. Those nights where you wish for things to have turned out a little bit differently. If you had the courage to say that last goodbye, if you could have seen how things were going to end just a little bit sooner. At that moment, I told Simon that our time was up for the day, but that I was intrigued to continue the conversation during our next appointment. As I left the room, the patient stopped me. He said, You're watering them too much. I'm sorry? Your plants, doctor. You're giving them too much water. Calla lilies grow best when watered every other day. That's why they're starting to droop. I assured him I had no idea what he was talking about and left. How he knew what plants I grow in my home escaped me, but I refused to let it sidetrack me from getting a proper diagnosis for the patient. Seven days after admission, Simon's behaviors remained mostly unchanged. He would stay up at night, converse only with Barbara or myself, and continue to hum to himself in his spare time. My next session with Simon was scheduled for 3 p.m. that day. Hello, Simon. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Doctor. I can't complain, given the circumstances. And how are you? Well, I hope. Fine. I'm just fine, thank you. Now, I wanted to pick up where we left off last time we spoke. You were saying that you wanted to help people cope with their pain. Yes. I feel... The best way to help people understand their pain is to help them understand the consequences of their freedom. Guilt is a construct of the human psyche and is more often than not brought on by the decisions people make. So you think by helping people understand the consequences of their actions, they'll be relieved of their pain and guilt? Well, yes and no. 
Let's use Mr. Sanders as an example. You see, he was a man who was used to getting what he wanted. He had a beautiful house on a cul-de-sac, a gorgeous wife, two wonderful children. He still wasn't satiated. He decided to take advantage of his high position in his law firm to entice his secretary to sleep with him. This was a man who had everything anyone could want and threw it all away for a one-night stand. One night, he received a call from his secretary and was told she had become pregnant. I see. And this was when you decided to help him? He stood to lose everything, doctor. His job, his wife, his family. Mr. Sanders was at a point where he had never been before. He felt guilty. He was at his darkest moment, and he needed a friend. So I decided to introduce myself. I explained to him the outcome of his infidelity, how his name would be dragged through the mud along with his family's, how nobody in that house would be able to live a normal life. And it was all his fault. So, you spoke with Mr. Sanders. He never questioned who you were or how you knew any of the outcomes you were talking about? He didn't need to. He knew I was right. People have a huge propensity to listen when they know you speak the truth. His sorrow was so blinding that he couldn't think straight. So I helped guide him. I reminded him of the Colt 45 he kept in the lockbox under the bed. I reminded him of all the pain and anguish he caused to his family and himself. How lately, everything and everyone he touched was destroyed. He now knew the only way to relieve all the pain. Murder? Suicide? That's right. So this is what you were describing as work when we first met. That's right. And you believe your work has brought you here? You never noticed how sad she was, Doctor. How truly alone she feels. I'm assuming you mean Barbara. She chose to lead this life of debauchery and drug use. Her poor mother survived through all of life's trials and tribulations, only to have her daughter make the same mistake she did. Most people say she died of a broken heart. She slowly killed her own mother, doctor. Imagine the crushing pressure. Oh, 
What is it, Simon? You already have an inkling of how it feels, don't you, doctor? I'm not sure what you mean. You knew she was coming upon the end. You knew all she wanted was to see you and try to apologize. You stayed in the car, in the hospital parking lot. You sat and pondered, then drove off. You spent the night at the bar, didn't you? Simon, I, how, how did she? She died the next morning while you fought off a hangover. That's why you try to keep those calla lilies alive. Those were her favorite. After leaving the session, I decided to take the rest of the day off. My encounter with Simon had left me feeling almost hollow. Later that evening, I was awakened from a terrible dream by a phone call from the night watchman. He said that they had moved Simon to a solitary cell for protection of Barbara. Around 11.30pm, Barbara was heard crying. She was observed pacing frantically and wiping the tears from her eyes. After going to retrieve a sedative for the patient, the watchman saw what he described as the most haunting sight he'd ever seen. Barbara had hung herself with her bedsheet, wrapped around the light fixture on the ceiling. Standing in front of her window, was Simon. His face looked outside, his hands behind his back, humming, swing low, sweet chariot. From the shadows emerged four black humanoid figures. Their presence was non-corporeal, and they seemed to float along the floor. They circled around the hung body and dropped their heads, all while rhythmically chanting something in a low, inhuman voice. As the watchman attempted to open the door, a bright and blinding light exploded from the room. Simon and the four entities were gone, leaving behind nothing but the swinging corpse, rocking gently forward and backward.
Our last story of the evening is by Nasia Perveen, and you remember her work from The Atypical and The Possession. Tonight, she has for you, Silence. Silence. I was walking alone that night. No soul in sight. It dawned on me that, finally, I was truly, utterly, heart-wrenchingly alone. Everything was completely silent. Neither the crickets would sing, nor the owls would hoot. I would walk, run, or saunter, depending on my level of anxiety and fear. From time to time, my eyes would wander back at the direction of our house. No, it's not our house anymore. From now on, it's the house. It was the house I grew up in whose every nook and cranny was familiar to me like the limbs of my own body. It was the house which I will miss the most in coming days. There was always so much noise in that house. So much chaos. Almost like pandemonium. So much so that even burying my head under the pillows every night didn't help a bit. God knows how I craved a little silence. I really just wanted a little peace and quiet to be part of a normal family. Who could blame me? Growing up, I only saw my parents fighting, fighting fighting, screaming, and only screaming. They both had such hoarse voices. If not on anything else, together they put up an excellent teamwork in raising a cacophonous clamor. If only they had put so much effort in their relationships... Perhaps, perhaps the incidents or accidents of that night would never have happened. <laughs> Thinking about it still sends a serpentine chill up my spine. Then again, who could have prevented that night? Perhaps even before I was born, or before my parents even met each other. That night was bound to come in our intertwined lives. In Greek tragedies, the heroes don't have any control of their lives. They are just pawns or tools in the mirth of cruel gods. Hercules, Oedipus, or Achilles could never escape the fate those divine entities had decided for them. 
don't get me wrong, I'm no hero. If anything at all, I'm the villain in this story. It wasn't just that all the noise was contained in that house alone. School had never been easy. There were always so many sounds there. The clatter of pens, clash of books, and all yelling and shouting in the corridors. Even while walking down the street, I could always hear the dogs howling, cats screeching, doors slamming, cars honking. Ugh. The list could go on. Anyway, that night had been different. It was supposed to be pleasant, if not perfect. For one thing, I was not bombarded with my parents' petty quarrels. It was my birthday, and they were kind enough to keep their mouths shut. I had never been a party person, and my parents were not too keen on spending time and buying presents. I used to get a $100 bill each year. It was a nice enough arrangement which made all the parties happy. But happiness could only last so long, right? <laughs> it all started with freaking mashed potatoes. Can you believe it? <laughs> these taste awful. Did you make these? I think they taste just fine. Of course. Of course. Are you insinuating something? You would understand if your brain was developed enough. You are a misogynistic pig. You know that? What did you just call me, bitch? At times like this, the house would become my only friend. Embracing me, holding me tightly, and sheltering me from the world. But what it couldn't do was switch off those clamors. Throb, throb, throb. Beat, beat, beat. I could then hear the noises inside my own body. I felt dizzy. Bile rose in my throat. My ears were ringing. It was as if a monster was hammering in my brain. Mom, Dad, stop, please. As expected, they were too preoccupied to pay attention to me. And this was only just the beginning. I was sure it would go on the whole night. You see, I just couldn't take it anymore. As if possessed by something or under some hypnotic spell, I went to my room quietly and grabbed a hammer from under the bed and returned to the place of our pleasant family dinner. They didn't even notice, which made me angrier. I stood behind my father and took a swing at his head with full force. He jerked around and I could barely register the disbelief in his face before he fell face first on the floor. I hit him again, 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 like that monster hitting my head. My mother was rooted to the floor with shock. 
then, the worst thing happened. She began to scream. I dropped the hammer and pinched my temples. But the screaming wouldn't just stop. I felt it could go on for eternity. Unless I intervened. So, in that moment, I did what I had to do. Who knew then that the spine-chilling scream of the woman who gave birth to me would be the last noise I would ever hear? After all of it was over, I calmly took a bath and filled a bag with whatever money I could find in the house. Police will surely be looking to put someone in jail for murder in this posh neighborhood. I feel ashamed to admit it, but thinking back after killing two loudmouths, those first few minutes of walking alone in the street, no noise anywhere, were perhaps the best moments of my life. Though at that time, I thought my stomach had turned into lead of nervousness. I think all was quite alright until I myself opened my mouth to scream. It was nothing serious. I just saw a bat flapping its wings in front of my face. What was I thinking? I should have kept my mouth shut for a few minutes more. It's been five days since that fateful night. You must be curious as to where I am now. I... I'm in that very house, of course. Well, technically, not inside it. I'm in the garage, which I always considered a part of the house's tremendous body. I came here just this morning. The police had cordoned everything off. Four of them stood upright in front of the house, and three of them were in the back almost insulting that nobody had bothered to guard the garage. It became too easy for me to slip inside it through the back gate. Sitting in the garage, I have no idea what's happening outside. Are those policemen shouting? Are the birds chirping? One of the squirrels must be munching on an acorn. I couldn't tell anything In those first few hours after the discovery, I prayed. I sincerely prayed with all my heart that it would come back. I briefly contemplated seeing a doctor, but I knew that the idea was stupid and reckless. I couldn't think straight. The silence was so deafening. You see, it was suffocating my whole being, stifling my worldly existence. Curious, isn't it, how the human mind works? It's only after you realize you can't have something that you develop a real hunger for it. I miss it. I miss it so much. I miss all those noises of the world, of... Water running in the stream, rain 
beating against the windows, dogs barking, cats meowing. I want to hear it all. But I don't want to go to prison either by visiting a clinic. I happen to hear the news that I'm the prime suspect in the murder of those two famous lawyers. I know there could have been some other way. There always is. But frankly speaking, I'm just tired of everything. I'm tired of thinking, tired of worrying, fleeing, tired of just being me all together. Heck, why not just end it all? I have nobody in this world anyway. I take out my father's Smith & Wesson 686, which I remembered to bring with me and hold it gently against my temple. My last wish is hearing the boom of the gun before the bullet blasts through my brain. Three, two, one. Nothing. Just silence. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this tonight's stories. Oh, I'm off. I'm I'm off script again. Here I go. I have a little bit of a treat for you before we go. Probably here. I have a little box of matches that was sent to me. Well, not sent. Well, it was sent to me. It was physically sent to me, but I ordered. I love supporting my listeners and listener Latoya Mills has an amazing candle company and I've actually had an eye on her products for a while now and I finally had a chance to order some and if you go to Instagram it's supernatural wood soy all one word supernatural wood soy she also has a website called supernaturalwoodandsoy.com and it's these supernatural candles and they have dun 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 wood wicks I'm so excited I'm going to light this candle for the first time for you. I ordered two. This one comes in a beautiful copper container. This is not paid or anything, by the way. I just ordered these and I got them yesterday. I got this candle yesterday and I haven't had a chance to light it yet. And I thought, why not light it with my best friends who love the sound of wood, wood wicks as much as I do. So here we go. You may also hear the sound of a helicopter buzzing around my apartment because Los Angeles, that's just the way it goes. Here it goes, it's lighting. Wow. Okay, it's lit. I know sometimes these wood wicks take a few, a little bit to actually start crackling, so just give it time and it'll crackle. Anyway, let's go on to Patreon shoutouts. And I have to say, my Patreon supporters, I super do. Not that I haven't always been so grateful for you, but during all of this COVID stuff, I know it's affected so many different things. For one, 
my main job on set is not going at the moment. <laughs> I've talked about that. Also, ads. Apparently, a lot of ad companies have pulled out of podcasts. I've been hearing not just on my own show, but lots of other shows. For one, our listens are going down because people aren't doing their daily commutes. Um, my listens, they stayed pretty strong for a little bit, but now nearing the end of everything they're they've definitely taken a little bit of a tumble but also yeah I've I you probably noticed I haven't had any ads I've had some promos um for other podcasts but that's sort of a thing we all do among each other a lot of times I just find podcasts I like and I play them just because I like them and I want everyone else to find some cool podcasts but every once in a while we reach out to each other and we're just like hey do you want to do a promo swap and we swap promos and um so you've heard a few promos but I haven't really had any ads. I don't have any coming up for a few weeks now. So that is my long-winded way to say thank you so much to my Patreon supporters. You are truly keeping the show going at the moment. Um, So yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And let me say hello to my newest Patreon supporters. It is Barbara Esposito, Cara Toledo, Tiara Moore, Devin Clue, Anthony Hubbard and Maeve. Anthony wanted me to say a special hello to you, Maeve Warren. What a sweetie. He reached out to me to make sure I would say hello to you. Jen Proulet? Proul with an X. And I don't know how to pronounce that X. So sorry, Jen. Hello, Jen. Welcome, Jen. Sophie Villanueve, Randy Hager, and Sergio Sacido. Thank you so much, everyone. Welcome to the family. I am giving you, sending you just a huge, huge hug over the airwaves. I think you can hear the crackling candle now. Let me put my microphone closer. So much love and so much light. You And I have been receiving so many of your very, very nice messages about my intro, and it has seriously been balancing out all the weird, gross, racist hate I've been getting. Um... So thank you for all of your beautiful messages. I haven't gotten a chance to respond to all of them yet. They are very much appreciated for my mental health and all that good stuff. Um, Not that this is about me. I'm so sorry. Like, you know, as white people, we tend to center ourselves in issues. And that is a big problem. And I just did that. And I would like to apologize for that. So go follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I've heard the Facebook page. You guys are just being awesome and you're being good. Rosemary always reports back to me and says you're being amazing and just so supportive. And I've heard, I've seen a few screenshots of how supportive you've all been and you're amazing. Just chef's kiss. Um, Twitter, Twitter has been, I've mostly been on Twitter. So if you'd like to reach me or just chat, I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, Reddit, there's a Reddit, um, Tumblr, there's a Tumblr that doesn't do much than just tell you when the new episodes are. So there's that. See, off script again. Here she goes. Here she goes. She's rambling again. I'm going to let you all go. Um, thank you for listening to my crackly candle. Thank you, Latoya, for just an amazing product. It's beautiful. Like it's, it's stunning. I'm so glad you talked me or you didn't like talk me into, but you asked, you made sure to ask if I wanted this copper one. It's gorgeous i'm sitting here staring at it in my face and it's just so beautiful um so yeah check out supernatural wooden soy um i believe that's it so unclench your jaw go get a drink of water and go get some sleep sweet dreams 
Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 